Is your church healthy? How would you determine a church's sickness or health? In our previous series, we looked at social justice, the Trojan horse, and in doing so, we expressed some characteristics of unhealthy churches. We know bad churches exist. That is not even in question. A better question is, what are the characteristics of a healthy church? What are the warning signs that you are in a bad church? More importantly, what does the Bible say about this? Please join us as we take this time to stop and think about it. Hello? Hello, anybody home? I think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It, a podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual, this podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Welcome friends and foes, saints and sinners, to the 14th episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. Today, we discuss the characteristics of a healthy church. I'm your host, the Bronx Expositor, formerly known as the Sensei, and with me is Glenroy, the West Indian wordsmith, and Steve, the Brooklyn Berean, is resting for this episode. What do you mean by resting? (laughs) When do any of us ever rest? True story, as Nick would say. Steve just returned from the Expository Preaching Conference with Dr. Steve Lawson, and he Steve also just finished his master's degree uh, at the Knox Seminary. So uh, we're very mm-hmm. proud of him. And so he's just taking a breather for a minute. I'm sure he's doing something else, getting right, ready for his right. next sermon. He never rests. No, I'm sure he's not actually resting. <laughs> so we're very proud of Steve once again. And looking at the concept of a healthy church, or the reality of a healthy church, at the heart of of these questions concerning a healthy church is a misunderstanding of the church's purpose. So let me ask, why do you gather as the church? Do you come out of a ritual? Well, this is kind of the Sunday morning thing to do, the Sunday morning event. This is what we've always done. It's just the traditional thing we do on Sunday. Is it just the right thing to do? Like, what are we supposed to do on Sunday? We're supposed to eat breakfast and go to church. What is your chief motive for being at the church that you're in right now. We're going to outline four purposes for the church and ask you, our listener, is your church fulfilling these four sovereign purposes? And before we start, Glenn, let's each one of us take time to share a bad experience we've had in a bad church. I know when I was a new believer trying to search, I I wasn't reformed. I didn't really know... um, Anything, but there's a church near me, like a block away. I went in the church, and the preacher spent about 20 minutes preaching the sermon. I thought it was okay. And then he spent about 45 minutes talking about the building fund and the fact that the offering, though he, he praised them. He said they were very good with the offering, but the building fund was light. And he just went on about 45 minutes explaining how they have to give more to the building fund. And that when they get, did the offering, he's going to look. And if it's not full, if, he's, if they're not giving more Uh-oh. in the building fund of the offering fund, there was going to be some problems. Uh-oh. And I just, you know, didn't, it rubbed me the wrong way. 
Gotcha. I've heard of one church, the the pastor picked up the offering plate and said, it's too light. Send it around again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of us have had experiences where we, we had that song that they play and it just pass it around until song is never ending until it, it feels full enough. Yeah, this is the song that never ends. Well, I was in, again, just like you, several uh, bad churches. Um, didn't really know what I was supposed to be looking for. Even though I was a pastor in some of these churches, not uh, the senior pastor or the head pastor, lead pastor, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I was in one church and I'll even name the church because some people might listen to this. Mm. Uh, it was called Pelham Bay Assembly of God. And it's right about seven minutes away from my house. And the pastor started preaching and using the doctrines of soul sleep and annihilationism. Wow. So in other words, when you die, you don't go directly to heaven if you're saved. Your soul sleeps until the trumpet sounds and the rapture takes place and all of that nonsense. And annihilation is God would never send anybody to hell. He'll just annihilate the soul because God is so loving. He'd never punish people for all eternity. And I disagree so, with that. Yeah. Well, so does the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and so I sent the the CD up the food chain actually to the New York district of the assemblies of God. They basically slapped them on the wrist. And, um, eventually down the road, I gave up my credentials with the assemblies of God altogether. And, uh, I was in another church and finally ended up in the church that you and I serve in together, Grace Baptist Church, which is the healthiest church I've been in, in my entire life. Uh, I would say the same. And isn't it interesting? So, for you know, there was a lot of, I had situations like that as well, but for me, it was just the money thing. And for you, it's it's primarily about doctrine. Absolutely. Um, which, which it is for me too, but, it, but it's kind of funny. I mean, I think one thing I realized is that I really did not have any criteria. It was like, I'm going to go... You know, and I just hope that whatever I was reading in the Bible would be matched by the church. Um, would you say that's your experience or most people's experience? Yeah, I just, you know, I just thought there should be preaching and singing and people should kind of have fun together, gather together, pray together, you know, just kind of like the hamster on the wheel, just kind of running through uh, what you think should be there but not actually looking to scripture first, just looking to what I saw in other churches that I was in. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was some like document or book or like something we can look to, to kind of see what that would look like. Absolutely. If there was just like some kind of compass that God gave us yeah, to I direct mean, us North toward the direction we should be going. I mean, is there something like that? I, I, I think that there is. I think that the Lord sent down something uh, called the Word of God. Wow, wow, and wow. So, uh, we And we have it. <laughs> if we were to be honest, which I know we are be, being, uh, we did not look to Scripture to find the characteristics of what should be in a healthy church. No. So we look to our experiences, to what other people said, and not necessarily people that also look to scripture right, to right. show us what's in a healthy church. I just knew it didn't match what was in scripture. Yeah. And so it's it was kind of like this illustration I heard 
uh, this little kid says to his mom, why do you cut off both ends of the ham for the Thanksgiving meal? And she says, I don't know, because my mother did it. They ask grandma the same question. Why do you cut off both ends of the ham? She said, I don't know, because my mother did it. Great grandmother's still alive. They asked the great grandmother, why do you cut off both ends of the ham for Thanksgiving, for the Thanksgiving ham? She goes, look at the size of my oven. I can't fit a whole ham in there. <laughs> so, I mean, some people just do things that are rote tradition. Not actually doing something reasonable, and in this case, scriptural. So I think that what we should do is we should actually look to the scriptures and read uh, a passage from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And uh, Glenn, you want me to read that, or, or are you ready to go? I, I think that's uh, that's your elect standard version that, that you're reading from. Go <laughs> the ahead, elect sir. standard version? That's right. Okay, let me hit that. And so uh, God's word says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, and they, meaning the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, notice that's first, and the fellowship, second, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need, not greed. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Amen. And amen. for anyone who doesn't know, amen means, you know, I affirm that. That's right. That's true. Amen. <laughs> so, 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 we, you know, obviously we talked about this before we did this podcast. And, and I think, you know, we had, we had a lot of uh, thoughts and we had a lot of criteria. We can put 50 different things that you would need to have in a good church. And, and I think, you know, you can make a, a case for all of them. But I think even from this verse, you know, we there was four things that kind of jumped out at us, right? It's the, you know, we would need a learning church. Um, yes. We need a, a fellowshipping church, yes. a worshiping church, and an evangelistic church. And now there's a lot of criteria, and you know, and and I, and I think we just want to make be careful that we don't kind of insert what's important to us. Like I said, for me, it was about the money, it was about doctrine, it was about you know this sense of a fellowship. But for other people, it might be other things. We wanted to really kind of ground it in, you know, what what are the essentials? What are some things you cannot have without having a real church? Yes, yes. Let me just give a quick illustration that I just remembered. Um, many people think of the church like one of the two ships on the ocean. Uh, either, number one, a cruise ship, and they say, oh, do I like the music? Do I like the captain and crew? Is the service good? Are my needs met? Do I like the accommodations? Is it pleasant? Is it worth my money? And will I sail with them again? The second ship is like a battleship. Those on board ask, does the captain submit to a higher authority? Are the crew members trained and equipped to serve, even unto death? Is the ship on a clear, direct, decisive, and critical mission? So let me ask in your thinking, are you on a cruise ship or on a battleship as you gather as the, in the church? Now, interestingly, um, sorry to cut you. Interestingly, I, I remember when I first was going to church and I was telling people that I knew who were churchgoers, it was like, they, they basically was like, when I go to church, I got to leave feeling good. And they were like, if I go to a church and I don't feel good when I leave, that's not a good church. And I was like, oh, you know, 
I would think you want to be convicted. <laughs> it's not always going to be a good experience, but that that's kind of that cruise ship mentality of yes. what can the church do for me, you know? Yes. Amen. Absolutely. And so the first thing off the bat that we notice is that the apostles' doctrine is what they were devoted to. Right, now, Glenn, right. let me ask you, do, do you think that this is just a list kind of thrown together, the order doesn't even matter, or do you think Luke wrote an orderly account, which is what he says in the book of Luke and the book of Acts, and this is a, this is written in a particular order yeah, on purpose? and I would say everything in the Bible is in a particular order. Whenever you have a list of things, the first one in that list is... The, the most important or at least the the foundation for the other ones um and yeah i mean i i think we can't really have fellowship if it's not based on something if it's not based on the the teachings of the bible of what the apostles taught um it, it's the foundation for everything you know it's a foundation stone and and i think it, it it's essential and i think that's why it's there first and i think we can get caught up in you know all these different things and denominations and Forget that. It has to be founded on what the Bible teaches. Yeah, amen. And so I think we need to actually establish what is doctrine. And um, I would probably say that doctrine is the body of the teachings of the Christian faith from Scripture concerning its central beliefs. Right, uh, right. W- would you add to that? Or Yeah, no, I would, I would say it's essentially the teachings, you know, and— um, and some of it's oral tradition, but, but like we said, it's it's literally written down for us. It's literally there telling us what it is. And and, and I think um, in anything um, uh, secular or, or sacred, once you start navigating away from what the foundational text is, you become something else. You yeah. know, it's another gospel. It's another thing. True. And I know I use the bad word. I use the word doctrine. And I know that's a very bad word because many of the mindset that Jesus unites and doctrine divides. Right. I mean, that's just the mentality of, unfortunately, far too many people. Well, well Christ said that, you know, he, he's going to be dividing us and there's going to be sheep and goats and, 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 you know, wheat and tares and all kind of different things. And, and And I think it's not something to run away from. It's something to have a real... Uh, foundation for yes yes, it's dividing but it's dividing those who are in the kingdom and those who are not yes that's true and realize that large doors hang on small hinges let me say that again large doors hang on small hinges and so again notice the leadoff batter in the list is doctrine because it governs all the other characteristics of a church where the spirit of God reigns and therefore like all preaching, teaching, witnessing, prayer, discipling, living uh, as the church, everything has to hinge on scripture, on doctrine to equip God's people for service. And, and I think let's go back to what we started with, with our like bad experiences or yes. um, it, it, the, the, what made me like, there is a sense in my spirit that felt uncomfortable about the money, but it's also an understanding of scripture, which says that that's not the primary purpose. It's not the building fund. If the, if he even wanted to harp on, on the offering, eh, you know, I'll give him that. But the building fund is not what we're there for. Having a nice, and I'm telling you, it's a beautiful, I, I drive past there every, the, it's beautifully brick buildings, but that's not what the Bible's talking about. It's talking about, um, you know, when Jesus talks about, Doing what I say shows me that you love me. I'm paraphrasing, but it's it's the doing 
off what he says. It's following what he says. That's that's really um, James talks about that. It's it's you show your faith through your actions, and so, you can't know what to do if you don't know what it is to do. Yeah. So Jesus didn't say go into all the world and build a nice building. No. No, no. Okay. <laughs> he talked about tearing down a building. I don't know if he talked about building it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so what I noticed was, if you think about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 and 22, it stated that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. And I remember John MacArthur mentioned that it wasn't really the personalities or even the ministries in the truest sense that the church was built upon, but it was built upon doctrine. Um, it was built upon the teachings because the things that the apostles and prophets said, that was doctrine. So it wasn't built on, at least at that time, hot-headed Peter and uh, you know nervous Jeremiah uh, and, and all their hangups. It was built on what they said. And so our church, not that it belongs to us per se, even it belongs to us in the sense that we're part of it, but Christ is the head of church. It is built on the foundation of scripture. Yeah. And, and, and so Acts talks about how Jesus took them aside after he ascended. First of all, he trained them for three year and a half years. Yes. Then he took them aside and taught them even more secret, t- taught them things that they were supposed to teach us. Yes. Even specifically, we talk about Paul. Paul was taken away and was taught by Jesus separately, which then allowed him. So when he writes scripture, he's writing what what he knows, what God has instructed him also from the spirit. Right. But also what he was told. And so he understands what scripture Old Testament. So he can actually add to that because you can't just say, well, I'm going to read the Old Testament and figure it out. Right. It, he, they, they, they clarify the Old Testament. He, he, they, they add context to the Old Testament and show how it relates to Christ. And that's the foundation. And Phil, Pastor Phil, so, you know, and when we talk about the learning church or that it has to have doctrine, and the reason why we're not going too specific is because there are going to be disagreements about what is doctrinal and what's not doctrinal. Now, we have basics that, like you were talking about when they're, they're saying soul annihilation and soul sleep. I mean, obviously... We can we can we can clearly say that's not a part of what is standard doctrine, but there are going to be some disagreement. Presbyterian and and and, and um, Baptists are going to disagree about baptism, but at the end of it, right? I, I would say there's like three things that jumped up on me, or at least two things that jumped up on me. It should be expository preaching, and I know you're going to ah, harp on that. Hallelujah! And it has to be the biblical gospel, right? That's under the heading of of a learning church, of, a, of being built on the Apostles' Doctrine. So I'm, I know you're going to talk about expositories. Let me just, uh, I'll take a break. I'll get to drink of water and come back. Oh, you speak about language. I'll see you in about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just realize that this infant church, you know, they, they sat at the Apostles' feet, and, and the picture is here like of an of an infant, of a nursery, just sitting there hungry to feed like like nursing newborns at a mother's breast. Um, they didn't stop studying the word of God. They continuously and diligently applied themselves to learning God's word. And so almost like in the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter six, the apostles were like caring parents that diligently taught God's word to these newborn children. And I'm really glad you brought up expository preaching, which is verse by verse preaching through a book 
in the Bible. So God gave us 66 books. Let's preach the books. Amen. In other words, if you're in a church that's primarily a topical preaching church, then the pastor can just preach on his favorite hobby horse. Oh, Phil, Phil, I, yes. I, I had a, a text prepared today. That's right. But I woke up and I had like a, a heartburn from eating uh, eggs. And I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me to, and it's, uh, what? Yeah. No, read the text that you, you studied and, and, and prayed over. I, I don't want to know. You know, you watched the game last night and you saw the football game and that made you want to do something different. I, I think there's something special about the Bible. You're reading the Bible, studying, preparing, the Holy Spirit's working on you. You have a text and then as you're doing the text, the Holy Spirit's working on you and it's working in you to like reach the people. As opposed to you just kind of, hey, you know, I'm going to talk about love today. I, I was in a church where we talked about uh, prosperity for the whole year and then... You know, it, it was just that's there was a topic for the entire year. Okay, that's great. Maybe for one sermon, but not for the entire year. Yeah, it sickens me. You know, I mean, let's say they watch the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden the pastor comes in the following Sunday, and he says, "You know what? Uh, today's sermon is four touchdowns that you must score <laughs> to win the Super Bowl of life." Right, right. Because that's all just, that matters. That's all that matters. And he just kind of comes up. You know, maybe with four good things, you know, read your Bible, pray, but like the Super Bowl has nothing to do with the scriptures. And so I I think that too many pastors are preaching sermons like seven ways to tie your shoes to the glory of God, four ways to have a good marriage, you know, two ways to walk to church, forward and backwards. I mean, it's just, I mean, where does it end? But And and, and at the end of the, I'm sorry, go ahead, brother. No, but if if you let the scripture guide... Mm guide you in your preaching all the doctrines and the topics will come up automatically without you forcing them upon the people per se amen and like we were just talking about how we as we read the scripture the order that it was in oh god has already placed the importance where he needs to be um and and it's hard to and, and i'm saying you can come up with most bad doctrine as we've learned is out of context we can disagree in context. I mean, there, there can be, you know, very uh, biblical disagreements in context. But for the most part, almost every bad doctrine is out of context. They just plucked some verses and some words and they strung together some verses. But if it's in expositor, if it's in sequence, as the Bible is written in context of the book and in the whole scheme of Scripture, guess what? It makes sense. Something that comes to mind is, is Acts um, seventeen eleven when the Berean, right? The Brooklyn Berean is not here, but... He would speak about the fact that 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 when Paul came to speak to them, they didn't reject him outright. They went and they studied and they searched the scriptures daily to see if it was so. How how can they do that and a church not do that? So wait, they didn't say Paul is is tall, dark, and handsome with a nice smile, and he's got a great booming voice, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, like they sounds good. Like none of those things were criteria. No, no, they had searched the scripture, and it was, and it wasn't like one time. They, they, they really studied. Say, wow, this guy's right. This is about this Messiah, this Jesus that came. He's right about how he's doing, right? And I think that's what happens. You should be going to church to hear what the pastor is saying, to then go home and study and see if it's so. So I got a question. Uh, actually, two questions. One, um, is it is topical preaching bad? No, no. There's a time and every a place. once in a while to. No. To sprinkle it or pepper it in every now and again. 
we we, we just had a, a, a men's retreat where we did that. We had four topical sermons. And even the preacher was uncomfortable. He's like, I'm not used to doing this. But it was beautifully done. And it's, the, and it's actually more powerful when it's on purpose as opposed right. to the, the modus operandi. I, you've given me the opportunity to preach in certain contexts. It's hard. It's hard to prepare. It's hard to go and do it. And I know it's difficult, but... You know, that's what God, I, that, I think that's what we we're called to do. I can just get up there and, you know, we can do like this podcast. We're talking and we're going through this. So we're working through this and we have done work on this, but it's a lot different, you know, and I think we're trying to um, do this with this text to kind of, hey, this is a text that kind of applies to church. And we're kind of doing it as we're talking about it, right? We're, we're yeah. saying this is the first one and we're talking about it. That's all it is. We could just say, hey, these are my 10 pet peeves about churches. Hey, that's an interesting podcast, but I don't think that's going to help anybody. Yeah, and we're purposely sp- going to spend our most of our time on the doctrinal part because that really is this really is the lead off. This really is the most important one in the list. And again, I agree. Every so often it's okay to pepper in a topical message, but really the healthy diet should really be an expository diet. It should be verse by verse through a book of the Bible. The pastor starts in the book of John, chapter one, and preaches through the last chapter in the book of John. And, and I think the last and, verse. And I think um, we, before we move on, I, you know, it's it's like as we're talking about, it, I'm thinking about all these experiences I've had, and one of the 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 experiences that made me leave the churches that I the church that I was in to go to quote unquote, you know, a good church, a church that I'm in now right. was this, um, uh, it was, a, it was a radio thing about, you know, a radio um, program where the guy kept saying, if you're not preaching about Jesus, <laughs> you know, he just kept harping on if Jesus is not in the sermon, if it's not about Jesus, if it's not talking about Jesus's words, what's going on. And it just stuck with me. Like, why am I listening to a sermon? Like you said, about four ways to score a touchdown. Like, Jesus should be the object, the gospel, Jesus, and our relationship to God should be the object of every single sermon. And I think it's hard to do that topically because the topic today could be about love and it could be about marriage and it could be. And so Jesus can get lost in that equation. And I think we just got to, instead of me telling you specifics, it's like it should be about the Bible, biblical, um, textual, textual, if that's the right way to say it. And, and, and it has to be about the gospel, sin, Jesus, the, constantly refreshing it. That's what it is. We're heralding the need for salvation, the so sanctification you, of the Spirit. And so you're telling me that a podcast helped you out? Wow. It, it, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm paying it for it, I guess, as they, they say, right? There you go. I like that. I like that. And so what was the doctrine that they actually nursed upon? Um, because they didn't have the New Testament. It wasn't written yet right. at the exact time that Acts 2.42, when we're reading it, they didn't, they didn't look uh, at the other letters of, of Paul and, P- and Peter, and they didn't have that. They were, they so, were expounding on Jesus, right? They were expounding upon the words Jesus of Christ. Christ. Yeah, right. yeah. So they had the words of Christ because they had the apostles there. The apostles heard the words of Christ and they echoed the words of Christ. But they also had something else besides the words of Christ, if you will. Not that we're negating these other things. Are the, This other thing is not the word of Christ because it is. But they had the entire Old Testament. But the great thing is, is that they looked at and read the Old Testament through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because Jesus said um, in Acts, I'm sorry, Luke chapter two, 
uh, Luke 24, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. And then it says, when Jesus spoke with his disciples on the road to Emmaus and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So in the Old Testament, you have types and promises and shadows. In the New Testament, you have the fulfillment and the antitypes. So in the Old Testament, you have the New Testament concealed. and the New Testament, you have the Old Testament revealed. So the Bible tells us that we can't love God and serve God apart from good doctrine. Paul warned his young disciple, Timothy, keep a close watch or take heed on yourself and on the teaching. In other words, your doctrine persists in this for by doing so, you will save both yourselves and your hearers as well. And so Paul issues three commands and two promises. One, the first command to watch yourself, your life. Two, watch your teaching, doctrine. And then three, hold on to these two duties. And after those three commands, there are two promises. One, you'll save yourself. And two, in doing so, you save your hearers as well. And so you too must be aware of false doctrines all around you, of Islam, the word of faith movement, Jehovah's Witnesses, Roman Catholicism, political liberalism, and all these kinds of things. And we must stick closely to what we call sola scriptura, scripture alone. But yes, Glenn, I think we should uh, move on to the second mark or the second characteristic, a fellowshipping church. Why is it important to fellowship with the church? I mean, I, I, I had the same problem when I was, was going. I would listen to, I would watch YouTube, I would read my Bible. And, and I think to some extent it was very helpful to me. But I can, you know, I, I can't tell when I'm being sarcastic by myself. I can't tell when I'm being mean. You know, you, you can only learn the foibles and the, the things that you need to grow in when you're around other people. So when I'm around other people, they'll say, hey, Glenn, you know, you were a little harsh. Glenn, you know, hey, are you praying? Are you studying? I'm the judge. I'm the judge, jury, and executioner. And I can say I'm a great Christian because of this, this, and this. Yes. Around other people, my flaws are exposed. And I'm able to grow because they're going to tell me um, where I'm failing. Also, they can encourage me in the things that I'm doing well in. Right. Can Can you be a Lone Ranger Christian? In other words, I don't need to go to church to love God. I could just stay home and worship God at home all by myself. Does that work? Not according to what Scripture says. Not according to what Scripture says. I mean, just imagine, we built a bonfire at the men's retreat, and if you had one log that was on fire and you put it by itself, that would go out. It needed the fellowship of the other logs to to ignite. And if you take one and put it on its own, one believer on his or her own— I mean, how's that going to ignite with the rest of the body? Yeah, yeah. He or she can't. And uh, I thought I heard another illustration. Imagine if I wanted to paint a, a large wall in the church, and I take a paintbrush, and I dip it in the paint, and I start to paint, but my paintbrush only had one bristle to the paintbrush. It's going to take me the rest of my life <laughs> a long, to paint. long, while. Right. But if I take all the bristles, and they have fellowship together... And they all work together. And now I could paint that wall in no time. But we have too many Christians that are saying, you know, I can just be a, a, a lone ranger bristle or I can just be a piece of coal or a piece of wood off on my own. And I could burn brightly for Christ or I can be used to paint for Christ alone. 
it doesn't work that way because what do you do with all these ver- what do you do with all the verses that said things like be devoted to one another honor one another live in harmony with one another accept one another serve one another pray for one another how can you do the one another's bearing with one another if you're not with one another is that possible no no it doesn't make any sense and 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 if you read Paul's epistles the beginning is always about you know, loving, and I miss you, and I, I'm coming to see you. If there was one person who, in the Bible, who would, could try to succeed in this lone Christian thing, was Paul, and he's always constantly saying, I'm going to visit you, I'm coming to see you, I want to spend time with you, I miss you. You know, I think even when he's in prison, it, 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 it's, you can feel his, I wish I was there with you. Yeah. And we're talking about, hey, I can do it on my own. No, no, we can't. If Paul couldn't, how can we do it? Exactly. One of my favorite verses is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some is, but encouraging, here it is again, one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so it's not enough to just be an attender. You have to be a member of a healthy local church. Amen. 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 And I think biblical membership is... would you say that if you're at a healthy church and anybody could be a member and you sign a card and you you know you pay some money i've been to churches where you just sign a card and pay pay some money and maybe do one very slight membership class or fill out a form you're a member i think i don't i don't think that's that's really what the bible intended i i do think you should tell your conversion you should show signs of being a believer that you should make a commitment to the faith right yeah. and and i think that starts with that firm foundation of doctrine they the church has good doctrine then they're going to evaluate you based on doctrine yes there it is it's back to doctrine so even our fellowship is connected with doctrine mm-hmm. it can it's not disconnected it's 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 some of the doors that that hang upon the hinge of the doctrine and the verse tells us to stir one another up, which in the negative sense means to irritate. But here mm. in the positive sense, it means mm. to, to stimulate one another. And I like what you mentioned before. If you're being sarcastic or harsh or whatever, then the Matthew 7 and 18 tells us to correct one another. Right. Church discipline, which we, we, we jumped, we harped on. And, it, and it's actually been a theme in a lot of our podcasts, right? 14 in. And, it's important. Yeah. Right. I mean, church discipline is written there for a reason. Can't discipline if they're not a member. Can't discipline if they're not a member, right? Mm -hmm. So even when you join the country club or the gym, like you have to actually be a member. You can't just walk in there, Mm. start lifting weights or swinging golf clubs or whatever is your your fancy. Like you have to join and you have to be all in. You know, put your put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. Not that now Steve's not here, so I'm gonna take a little risk here. Um, I'm gonna bring up uh, biblical discipleship. And if anyone knows you, that's that's one of your It's a big one. It's a big one. But uh, let's try to keep it brief. There's two in a row. (laughs) Try to keep it brief. But like I say, uh, in fellowshipping, in biblical membership, in church discipline, discipleship. I mean, did the apostles just get this magical knowledge, right? No. What happened? Yeah. They... um Christ discipled them so they can turn around. A couple and months, a couple, year, couple days, 50 years. Days after they were, oh, years. years. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like many people, they take a seed, they plant it, and then they, they want to rush the harvest. Well, that's yeah. impossible. Yeah. It needs the time to germinate and to grow in the atmosphere. And so that's what discipleship is. So, so you're uh, saying, Steve, that everyone should Phil. work to the point. Oh, Steve. I'm thinking of Steve because I know he's I'm like, not, he's like, why did you bring that up, Glenn? Um, I'm not Phil. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 Phil. Okay. Yes. So you're saying we need to reach a point. Everyone needs to reach a point where we are where we don't need to be discipled, right? Is that what you're saying? No, never said that. <laughs> never said that. I, I, I'm, look, you're still being discipled um, by, 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 by others. I'm definitely being discipled by you and, and, and a lot of other people at church. So it, it's something that's a never-ending process until Christ returns, right? Yeah, I mean, discipleship, uh, you know, just being a, a disciplined learner of Christ and his gospel, I don't know necessarily where, where that ever ends, where that growth ever stops. Um, do we ever stop growing? Mm. I mean, to, to say that would be to say that we've arrived. And, you know, I'm, I'm exactly like Jesus in every word and every deed and every thought that I have. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm not there. And I would disagree with, uh, I believe it's John Wesley on this one, who believes you can reach a place of sinless perfection. Mm. Sorry, Wesley. Mm. Uh, you're definitely dead wrong on that one. Um, so, so- and you never reach it yourself. Yeah, so you say a characteristic. So we would say a characteristic is: Are people being discipled there? Yes. Are there is membership something that means something, and is their church to. and is their church discipline? Trust me, at Grace Baptist Church, there is church discipline. I cannot do whatever I feel like doing, and I also respect the, the elders and people in authority. So if they tell me I don't like this, regardless of my regardless of my feeling. If they can show me in scripture, I'm going to submit. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so it's not my way or the highway. It's, you know, what does God's word say? And then how do we apply that word uh, in the body of Christ? And that is crucially important. Many churches, churches I've been into in the past, they, they had no standards per se of church discipline other than if the pastor just didn't like you for whatever reason. He didn't like the kind of shoes you had on, the the belt buckle that you chose, or I'm being a little facetious, of course, but (laughs) you know, like ultimately it wasn't like looking into the scriptures. It was more like personality issues that they didn't like, or, Mm. you know, you were too loud, you were too soft, you know, it wasn't really scriptural things. Well, we're not called to like everybody, but we're going to call to love everybody in the church. And, 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 Trust me, I love everybody at Grace Baptist, uh, whether even I like them. <laughs> you even love me still? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to. I have to. Have it's to. easy to, but I, I still, I still have to. Um, and and okay, so let's 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 just jump ahead. I mean, worshiping church. I yes. mean, wh- what does that mean? Right. So, a, a worshiping church is more than what most people would think. They normally associate worship with what? If if anyone could see me, I, I would they would see me waving my hands right now. There you go. So worship is normally um, defined as music, as mm. singing. And, mm-hmm. and and that is an aspect of worship. Amen. We even talk about a worship leader, mm-hmm. um, even though I would probably agree with Steve Lawson on this. Well, not probably, but definitely, that the expository preacher is the worship leader. I would say that, definitely. Because it's connected with uh, God's word uh, through and through. Um, I would call the other person a song leader or music leader, <laughs> you know, maybe you know, prepare, pre- or, or preparing the heart for worship right. is, a, is another way of looking at it. And so I think that the, that when we look at Acts 242 here, um, what we notice is that they had a right attitude. 
They were holding mm. to the mystery of Christ. Yeah. And when it talks about the breaking of bread, this is kind of twofold. Um, there was a love feast in which they ate together. And when you eat together, you talk together and you enjoy together and you share life together. Mm-hmm. And in that, they also had the Lord's table. In other mm-hmm. words, the Lord's supper together. So they, they were a cross-centered church. They focused on the life, burial, resurrection, ascension of our Lord Jesus and that he's returning. So uh, it was a church that really came together and they met each other's needs, not each other's greeds, mm-hmm. and they were generous with each other. Amen. And and that was part of the worship. They also prayed together. Yes. Now what what did they pray? Mm. What, what was the what was the basis of their prayers? Um the scriptures? The script. There we go. I mean, are we back to doctrine again? We're back to doctrine. I thought we were off that topic. No, you can't get away from it. I mean, it's absolutely impossible. They prayed the scriptures and they prayed many of the Old Testament scriptures. So, for all the people that says we don't need the Old Testament, the New Testament is filled with quotes from the Old Testament. Mm. Peter preached his first sermon. The most of it was straight up from the Old Testament. Amen. Amen. Right, and so they prayed the Old Testament. They prayed the words of Jesus. And let me ask you, do you pray the scriptures or do you just pray feelings, nothing more than feelings? I, I was waiting for that song to be played. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a that could be our song. new theme. That, Steve, you're not here. We're going to change everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it's more, it's more than that, right? It, it's, and, and I think, and I think like, and we just had a men's retreat and, 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 and it finished with prayer. And, and I think, and, and we talked about corporate prayer you know, yes. is there a church that makes time for praying together about the needs in the church, the needs outside the church, the, the, the just thanking God? You know, I think we, we do like end of the year, we do a, a prayer. We do it at the end of uh, service, two prayers. Um, we also have times during the month that we just do end of month prayer. And, just... and, and, I, and I think in that, one of the things that we have to do is um, make sure we're praying the scriptures. If a sermon was preached, like make your prayers focused on God, Amen. on God himself. And I like what my friend Evans always says. You know, he says, when you're in a courtroom, the judge doesn't start taking requests until the judge is ushered in, mm. until all rise and the judge is honored. And so when you, even when you look at like the Lord's Prayer, first mm. it starts our Father, and then later on you start asking, give us today our daily bread and so first it's honoring god Mm. focusing on his will on his kingdom on who he is and then you focus on yourself in light of who god is and many people just treat god like a cosmic santa claus god i want this i want this i want this and i want it by you know yesterday yeah that's not prayer amen and so um one thing that's been a tremendous blessing to me is praying the psalms Mm. So I don't know if you've prayed the Psalms, but you can I, I think you—I think you've made me, <laughs> and I was blessed by it, by hook or by crook, right? <laughs> so praying the Psalms, um, just in a, in a practical sense, uh, you can read five Psalms a day. So today's the seventh, so you would read Psalm seven, eight thirty, read thirty-seven, and then what is that, sixty-seven, and just keep adding thirty until you read five Psalms. Pick one psalm and pray that psalm, or part of that psalm, or several verses from that psalm. And you're reading the book of Psalms every month and you're praying the Psalms and it has every doctrine, it has every emotion, has every issue that you can ever or will ever go through. So it's always been very timely for me to pray the Psalms. And just the last thing on the aspect of prayer, I think many people have really bad 
and unscriptural prayer meetings. Um, some prayer meetings are more like town hall gossip sessions. And you have the person who wants to preach in their prayers. You have the person who wants to make infomercials. The person wants to tell everything about themselves and make them the hero of every story. And very little our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, very little hallowing God's name and looking to how great God is and how grateful we need to be. And everything is just about me, myself, and I, you know, the unholy trinity. So let's look at the final one. So we've looked at number one, we looked at the learning church with doctrine, two, fellowshipping church, three, a worshiping church, and finally an evangelistic church. Evangel, evangel what? Evangelistic church. So, so I mean, we just talked about worship and the preacher. I mean, what do you, what do you mean? Yeah. So, a church that doesn't reach out to lost people is a dying church. Oh wow, wow! That that that's a bold statement. I agree, but can you explain? So, how can you truly believe that Christ is the only way to heaven? And all those who are not in Christ are under the wrath of God right mm. now, even as we give this podcast or even as you're listening mm. to it. You believe that they're going to hell for all eternity. But, you know, hey, let's just stay in the church and only pray and listen to the word, which are very important, which we put first. Mm. But then let's not care about those that are going to hell. Wow. And if you are a hyper Calvinist, um, which is unbiblical, you'll think, listen, God's going to save whosoever he will, so we don't even need to go out and evangelize. Yes, you do. The scriptures commands it. And whatever is inside will certainly bubble out. I mean, if I have a glass of water and I fill the glass up, eventually it's going to hit the top and it's going to spill out. And so if the love of God is inside of you and it's poured abundantly inside of you, it's got to spill out. The grace of God within you, it's got to spill out. The light of God within you, it must shine forth out of your life into the highways and the byways as you compel them to come in. I mean, the scripture has given us many pictures of what we are to be. It's called us to be a fisherman. Soul Fishing Ministries is named after Matthew 419. I'll make you fishers of men. It's called us to be an ambassador, a firefighter, um, salt and light and other such uh, pictures to help us to see. We can't just say, me, my three, us four, and no more. Let's just, you know, be like the Amish. Let's just sit inside and not rub shoulders with the world. No. Christ was called a friend of sinners. How did he get that kind of title, Glenn? By by being a friend of sinners? (laughs) That was deep. (laughs) I I think about these things deeply. Now, that was beautiful. And and I think we started off by asking, you know, well, why do you go to church? What is yes. the purpose? Is it is it just the right thing to do? What's your chief motive? And I think the chief motive is, you know, like we said, to learn the doctrine, to learn more of Christ, to worship Christ, to 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 grow in the grace of him, but is also to equip us to go back out and and do what his command was, like the, the yes. great command he gave us, which is to reach all the world. Yes. To go to all the world. And 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 I think it, 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 like I said, it's all building on top of each other. And now, like w- once again, be very careful. We're not saying got to street evangelize only, or that's right. the only method. And I know churches who the neighborhood it, it's not conducive to standing on the street corner. 
but we're reaching our family members. We're, we're, we're hitting the communities and we're getting out there, whatever that means for you. But they, but they care about. I went to a church. I don't know how good or bad the church was, but they prayed and they had a heart for the Jewish community that was around them. And that, that, that resonated with me. They didn't hit all the other things, but they, but you know, but they, but they hit those things. And, um, and Phil, I wanted you to, like, not everyone's going to be all running on all cylinders in all four of these aspects, right? Yeah, I mean, I think there'll be, you know, ebbs and flows, but I think these four things are really important. And just before we review them, um, just on the evangelistic front, uh, does your church care about the community that you're in? Mm-hmm. I mean, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so your church realized it's planted in a cert- on a certain block, in a certain street, in a certain community, in a certain city or neighborhood for a reason. And so what are you doing to reach those around the circumference of your church, including your family members and your loved ones, your coworkers? Because we're not saying they're less important. It's all important. It's not an either or. It's not like street preaching or relationship. Uh, building to evangelize it's all of it's both and and it needs to be both and listen i know not everybody's going to be a street preacher that's fine everybody is not gifted to be a street preacher and everybody's not called to be a street preacher and if you're not called to be a street preacher then then don't do that um you can hand out tracks and things like that um but it's very important that we do go to the lost and we don't wait for the lost to kind of jump into the boat they went out and they went fishing and they pulled the fish in, but they had to go out to reach them. The principle of fishing is you go to the fish, you don't wait for the fish to jump in the net or jump on the hook or jump into the boat. So, but just to um, just to kind of wrap this in a bow, as as Glenn would say, I think that we a need to bow. a big bow. <laughs> We're looking at a learning church, a fellowshipping church, a worshiping church, and an evangelistic church. And in some fashion, these four things should be in a local church to show that you have a healthy church. And again, there's there's a lot of depth to each one of these, and it's not an exhaustive list of things. You can certainly add other aspects uh, to this list. But we felt like these were four pillars that should hold up the local church. Well, thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You could also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishyministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.